Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. McLean and Jay alongside. I am Mike. Welcome back, gents. How's your life been? Hot. That's Hot. all I can say. It's yeah. been so damn hot the last couple of days. And I've been outside like like 10, 12 hours of that. And it's just, I love AC. I'm so glad that somebody invented AC. It's wearing too. Oh, man. I'm here to help roll back. That's all. <laughs> no rollback. I thought the USGA was going to announce their decision today. I maybe had my dates wrong in my head. I thought today was a day, but they didn't come out with anything. So um, either I had that wrong or they're delaying. But um, yeah, so no rollback discussion, McLean. Tonight. We're going to wait. We're going to wait. But yeah, life is good on my end. Thanks for asking, guys. Appreciate that. I'm not waiting. <laughs> The Maroney family, we've been on a bender for like two months, it feels like. Just all kinds of social activities. Girls been up late all the time. We've been drinking a bunch. Vacation, which was awesome. Sorry for no show last week, but we were. it was a, one of those busy vacations where there was all these things, activities planned, keep the kids entertained. But they started back to school today. Hallelujah. So, Uh-oh. It's yeah, always started uh, last Monday. And it's one of those things as a parent where you almost like feel bad enjoying that. But then anyone who's actually a parent like gets it. Yeah, it's great. It's like, like hey, we get them back into a routine. We can, we can now use an excuse of, hey, you get school tomorrow. You got to go to bed earlier than staying up late like they have all damn summer. Yeah. And it's just like, let's just get everyone back into a little bit of a routine. And um, so, yeah, anyways, back to school today. I'm with you. I'm smiling at the bus stop. <laughs> but um, let's get into a little golf. We got a bunch of golf to talk about, although we only got one guy to talk about, which makes it really easy for us. We can talk about two events in in one. Kill two birds with one stone here. My man, Clemson Tiger, Lucas Glover goes back to back, Jack. Yeah, it's unbelievable the turnaround that he's had by going to the broomstick and this new putter that he has um, watching yesterday. It's it's he just kept making the tough putts that he had to, to extend his opportunity to stay in contention. And as someone who's, who's followed the game um, has played the game, very familiar with what the odds are of continuing to make those 10 to 18 footers, be it for par or birdie to get back in contention. Uh, he kept just knocking them down. The putt of the the putt of the day, shot of the tournament, is the bogey putt that he made mm-hmm. from like twenty feet that would have easily knocked him out. Cantlay birdied um, at the same time he made that. It was a two shot swing. He went to fourteen. Cantlay went to fifteen. And if he goes down to thirteen, you know it's almost like oh this is this is over. But that to me, and it's funny, you know, that's where I think when you talk to experienced accomplished invested golfers they recognize how big a bogey putt can really be it's bigger than a birdie putt especially one from that link that really keeps you in the golf tournament um what he's done with that putter and the turnaround that he's had i mean it it probably shows that he's been hitting the ball pretty well um all year but now he's able to start converting on the greens which we've all talked about it doesn't matter how good you hit it uh, unless you're Scotty Scheffler, it's tough to win golf tournaments without putting well. For the most part, 
every golf tournament we see one is done by someone that had a good putting week it, relative to what their averages are. Sure. Um, so, you know, the other thing that's pretty incredible is going back to back, especially coming from, I don't want to say the abyss, but coming from uh, somewhat of nowhere, you know, he, he's been hitting the ball. Well, he started playing a little bit better, but all of a sudden, you know, to win back to back, it really reminds me of what Brendan Todd did a couple of years ago and the resurgence that he found in his game. You know, he's still in the, uh, the playoffs I saw earlier today, and he he's been able to, to get back on tour and, and, you know, continue to find some success out there and keep his card. But you just don't see that very often. And it is incredibly hard to win two back-to-back weeks on the PGA Tour. Ask some of the guys that never won. Uh, There's a lot of them out there that have played hundreds of events and never got one over the finish line. He just did it in back-to-back weeks and did it at the right time. I mean, you talk about you know, being able to improve your position, moving into the playoffs, throughout the playoffs. And ultimately, um, the talk now is, you know, is is the guy in the Ryder Cup conversation. So it's it's pretty incredible what he's done these last two weeks. I like the guy. I love the way he hits the ball. I really like his golf swing. It's a little bit different, really load the cl- loads the club hard. Not sure how in the world he does it without a glove. I know. Uh, that, that absolutely baffles me. Anytime I see someone especially playing at a tour level at that speed, how anyone can can hit balls or, or consecutively um, strike a golf ball without a glove in the heat that he faced. I mean, my goodness, his pants held all the sweat, I guess. I don't, I don't know what, what in the world he... Drained uh, right out of his hand into his pants. I don't know what in the world he's doing with his hands, not to sweat. <laughs> but the one thing I, I did think that was very unique, and I saw it yesterday, is that they showed it. You know, he kept putting his hands in the cooler and getting that wrist underneath that water line to help, you know, bring down his core temperature. Um, that was veteran stuff. Mm-hmm. That was that was some incredibly smart uh, um, preparation on the tee box to recognize where he is, take that into consideration, not get caught up in the moment, but stay into his routine and keep himself at a temperature that you know, allowed him to get it done. So at the end of the day, there's not a whole lot to say other than congratulations, Lucas Glover. You just went back to back on the PGA tour. As a 40 something year old. It's impressive. I mean, exactly right. It, it's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I love the guy. I've had a chance to meet him a few times and spent a little time with him at, at Clemson uh, with an event that we hosted for the, uh, for the golf team. And he's just, what you see is what you get. You know, the interviews you see with Lucas is kind of the guy he is. He's just a country bumpkin, you know, kind of straight to the point, you know, not a lot of fluff. It's just, yeah, he's, you know, matter of fact kind of guy and uh, nice as can be. And so, yeah, it's just it's just awesome to see. And it is remarkable. I mean, those putts he made on the back nine, he made the 20 footer. Gets that horrible lie. He gets the ruling. thinks it's embedded on 13. Hacks up there at 20 feet, makes that. You're like, oh, shit, that's pretty big. Then he hit uh, just kind of an unexcusable shot, really, on the par 3, 14th to block it into that water. It's like, Lucas, you got all the kind of room to the left of that flag. That's the only thing you can't do right now. But then he drains. How long was that putt? That putt was 29 feet. feet. 29 feet, 4 inches. You know, and then he gets the... 17 bad drive hacks it out with a you know 40 yards short of the green or so 60 yards somewhere in there hits it makes that putt you're like god damn he's he's gonna think he's gonna win this thing you know and Cantley had a hell of a charge which what 64 
bogey free. Yeah. But yeah, it's just it's just fun to see um, someone like that do it with all those big guns chasing them. I mean, there were some studs right behind them. Well, and you're 100 right. But something I want to point out because I'm going back just looking at some stats here. I don't know what tournament he made the move to this new putter, but man, it, it doesn't look evident <laughs> on the season results. So moving through, we just start earlier in the year. I mean, there's not a top 10 in sight. There's more cuts missed than made. There's very little scores that start with a six. And then all of a sudden, T20 at the RBC Canadian Open. Again, I don't know if this is right. I'm just looking at it right here. It just seems almost evident to, to see what changed. T20 at the RBC Canadian Open. He did miss a cut at the Traveler, shot 70-71, but you know, they weren't 77 to 75s. Then all of a sudden at Rocket Mortgage, T4, 69-69, 64-65 on the weekend, T6 at John Deere, fifth at Barbasol. So basically three straight top tens, two of which are top fives, the other one the T6. Missed the cut at the 3M, 71-68, 300, not still not terrible golf. Uh, and then all of a sudden just went on the tear the past few weeks. I mean, his last six weeks of golf uh, have included um, five top tens, really five top sixes is a better way of looking at it. And there's not a score other than the first round of the 3M where he shot 71. There's not a score with a seven in front of it. Uh, there's a lot of low numbers out there. And I'd love to know when exactly he did make that switch because if I'm if I'm a betting man, just looking at it, you know, he shot 74-77 at the memorial to obviously miss the cut. Um, missed the cut at Wells Fargo, missed the cut at Mexico, missed the cut at RBC, 45th at Valero, 36th at Valspar, 51st at the players, missed cut at Arnold Palmer, missed cut at the Genesis. I mean, it just keeps going. Cut, 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 missed Pebble, missed Amex, missed Sony, all the way back to the beginning of the year. I I I just switch got to the putter. Think, I just got to think that putter switch came somewhere around RBC. Uh, if it happened at the Rocket Mortgage, that's an even more incredible stat. But at the end of the day, whatever he's doing, he's got some new confidence in it. He rolled the ball incredibly well this week. I mean, it looked like he was putting to a trash can um, on that back nine yesterday. And really throughout the week, if you look at some of the scores that he shot, I mean, my God, 66, 64, 66. That'll put you in contention almost anywhere, anytime you tee it up. So uh, he's found something. He's found some new confidence. He is trending in the right direction. The trick, as we all know now, is you know how long is he able to keep that up? Does that confidence stay? Is this a, is this a short flash-in-the-pan situation, or, or is this something that is going to be um, going to have some longevity to it? Is he going to be able to ride this momentum and ride this confidence uh, to keep this going for long term? Yeah, I think switch to putter um, either, <clears throat> excuse me, at the memorial or the week after, because I know he used it for one of the first rounds uh, at the sectionals for the U.S. Open. And missed, I think he missed a little putt to not get into the U.S. Open. His caddy told him that it's the it's the best and the most comfortable he's seen him with a putter in like 10 years. So he said, basically, but he said, you just have to, you just have to stick with it. 
and, and be confident and keep using it because it's it's just a matter of time before you, the results start showing up. Obviously, he played well with sectionals and only missed by one. But, I mean, if you look at the numbers, that was pretty much when everything kind of it took flipped. off. Yeah, he said so. he even considered uh, going lefty. So his last two resorts were the long putter. And then if that didn't work, he was going to try to putt it putting lefty. I mean, not, not to not to go down the putting um, or the putter design rabbit hole that we went down in the last two weeks, but we've been talking about this putter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talked about it in at nauseum because I used it in the state open a, a different a different style, but the same manufacturer. Um, and I, it's definitely something to be said for somebody who's really struggling with their putter. Um, you know. It's it's a it's obviously a godsend for for Lucas, but anybody who's really struggling and they don't need that that extra feel where some of the better putters may need that. Like if you put this putter in Tiger Woods' hands, he would probably not play well. But um, for somebody who's really struggling with their putter, uh, this kind of eliminates all the doubt and just gets the ball rolling, which is what we've seen. He's able able to. T- I mean, I don't know. You can go back and people watching listen to this. You can go back and look at some of the clips of Lucas putting with a short putter. Um, and it's really hard. It's really hard to watch. I feel, I mean, I feel for him because I, I know how difficult it is to try to play golf at that level with the, with those type of demons. Um, but he was, it's an incredible story. He was able to overcome this, you know, obviously through the help. I think he worked with, he works with Brad Faxon. I think they talked a lot with Adam Scott. Adam Scott uses the exact same putter. Um, and it obviously, it clicked for him. I mean, I, for him to make those those type of putts, he hasn't made putts like that. Even when he won the, the U.S. Open at Bethpage, he was not comfortable putting, and you could even see it. striking his ass there. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's pretty pretty neat to see for a 43-year-old guy whose career has been pretty much washed up for the last you know four to five years to come back and win back-to-back. Didn't help me in my, uh, in my other little side games. I got a couple pools that I'm in, so I was a little bitter. Um because I had Cantlay. If Cantlay would have won, I would have won our little golf pool. Um, that's, a, that's a little. It wasn't little. It was substantial. It was substantial, but um, whatever. <laughs> I, you know, if, if I'm going to lose to watch somebody, to, you know, kind of overcome all these <clears throat> obstacles, it's kind of cool to watch him do it. Um, he seems like a pretty good dude. I, I haven't. I've only come across, played with him uh, once or twice, or not even played with him, just played in the same tournament. So I really haven't had a chance to come across him. And But I've had a lot of other friends that are Clemson guys that played with him. And and I think you're right, Mike. They all say this is exactly what you said. He's He is exactly what you see. There's no facades with Lucas. It's like, hey, I'm, this is who I am. I'm not going to try to fake anyone out. I'm not going to you know go too deep into any analytics. I'm just – I am what I am, but but he, he is he's pretty articulate though when he gives responses um, mm-hmm. to the media. Like he, it's not like he's not intelligent. I'm not saying no. that because he's very smart, and I think like I said, he's very candid and he's very articulate, and he gives you some insight. But he's he's not trying to fake anybody with who he is and what he's doing and what he's done. So it's kind of refreshing. No, to he see. doesn't shy away from anything, <clears throat> and he should probably switch from the. The cotton pants, but I kind of like the cotton pants. I mean, <laughs> I, I kind of like it. it. Looks classic in the fall, but in August in Memphis is probably not a good idea. August in Memphis. I don't think they're actually cotton. I think it's uh, just a bad performance blend, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, I, yeah. I, know, I, know I think Link Soul is going to redesign that here before the end of the year, and they're going <laughs> to make sure they get him something. 
you got to think John Ashworth was just losing his mind watching this golf tournament. He like it, it. He he knew exactly what was going on, and he knew what everyone else was thinking. I mean, let me tell you a pant that I'm not in the market for currently. Links Hill. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, they make nice shirts. I do have a few of their shirts. Uh, I've never considered their stuff not good. Cotton spandex, you know. Um, yeah, that was bad luck. That was a tough, tough look. I felt bad for him. I felt like that was like the story. And you look on social media, everyone's just talking about his pants. Couldn't help it. It was just it was butt sweat the whole time. That's all we saw. And well, you could every- a little bit that wasn't sweating was just because the pockets were in the way of the back pockets. <laughs> Yeah, every link soul rep is just like dreading. They're like, I'm gonna have to answer questions about this yeah, for the remainder goes, of the year. He goes my sales and bottoms this year. Yeah. Need to cancel my pre-book. <laughs> Need to stick to the accounts in the in the northeast and the northern Midwest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chicago, that would work great. Yeah. Not in the summer. That place is the hottest and coldest place on earth. I could that's unreal. <laughs> Yeah, um, Memphis, Atlanta, Charlotte, those places like inland that are kind of right in that little zone are just, I mean, and then you then you go even further into the deep, into the deep south, you know, Arkansas, Mississippi, those places. I mean, uh, they're beautiful, but they are hot. <laughs> they are, <laughs> they are hot, very hot. I mean, to your point, uh, it's funny. I was, I first learned about that trick in. Um, uh, Philadelphia, Mississippi. I was playing at. I think it was the uh, Rabbit. You say Philadelphia, Mississippi. Philadelphia, Mississippi. Um, it was. I can't remember the exact name of this resort. It's a casino, Rabbit something, Dancing Rabbit. I think maybe it was Dancing Rabbit Casino. It sounds like a strip but, club. The strip club. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this I think is a golf a golf course. No no strippers here because uh, we were there in August and it was extremely hot. But um, we yeah we were playing and and that was when we were wearing the double mercerized cotton shirts and you would walk out. Oh god! And you the shirt would literally within ten minutes it would be absolutely completely soaked. You're soaked from head to toe. Soaked through. Um, but. You know, I learned that trick that uh, that Lucas he started doing. You see him put his hands in the in the in the ice bucket. So we would you would get if you could put them in an ice bucket, you would do it, or you would wet your towel, ice cold, and then you would wrap it around your hands and your forearms because what it would do is close up your sweat glands just enough. Your skin, the the surface temperature in your skin felt like it was it was cool, so it would stop sweating. It would last you know a couple minutes, two, three, five minutes, enough for you to get up. And hit your shot and not have sweat just dripping down. So you would do that every time you get to the next tee. You would wet ice ice cold water. You'd wet your towel and you just hold it on your on your arms. And then you take it off and your hands would be dry, which is kind of crazy. You would think, okay, I just soaked my hands in a wet towel, but they would stop sweating. So, and I think he actually commented on it when they asked him about it, but which is kind of cool. And he doesn't wear he doesn't wear a glove, which makes it even harder. Um I don't know if you guys paid attention to the grips that he's using. He's using those um those old victory cords. Victory tour the the they're yeah, the golf ride victory cords, the, the and they've got the neon, the neon yellow striping, the grip reminder. Um, that grip was super popular like 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, so and, with the, uh, and I was like, the they yellow. don't even I used 
I used to, I had those on every single club. I mean, I love those because they were for that reason, because we, all we did is play in the Southeast. And if like, if you didn't have a super heavy duty cord grip, like you were, you were going to, the club was going to be flying all over the place. Um, but it's funny. I don't know what it is with Clemson and these guys not wearing gloves. I mean, Jonathan Bird doesn't wear a glove. Lucas Glover doesn't wear a glove. I'm trying to think, like, I don't know, does DJ Trahan, did he wear a glove? I mean, all these guys that came out at the same time. I'm like, what, what's going on down there? Like, you guys, is that like a weird teaching thing? Who was the head coach in Clemson when they were there in the late 90s, early 2000s? Larry Penley. He was there for like Larry 40 Penley. years. Yeah, that's right. Man, they spit out some. They spit out some incredible players in the '90s and early 2000s. I mean, between those two guys, DJ Trahan, um, Matt Hendricks played on tour. Um, gosh, who was the other guy that was super talented that just didn't? He played on tour for a while, but he just didn't. He didn't make it. He didn't pan out for him. God, I can't think of him. He was right around the same time. I'll think of him in a second. And then you have um, Kyle Stanley. Was later. Yeah. Um, and they they spit out a bunch of. Bunch of Sam, players. Sam Saunders was out there for a little Sam bit. Sam Saunders, he was there a little later. Yeah. Um he was there with Kyle. Run. Yeah. Because the Kyle and uh Kyle and Sam were there when I was there. Yeah. We we'd hit balls next to him on the driving range. We had our own there was the driving range tee for all the members and guests. Then yeah. there was the golf team tee box, and then there was the Clemson <laughs> PGM tee box. They're um, different. They're very different, yeah. <laughs> the sounds the different. sounds were very different. We were different. Yeah, our our thinned toe shots were just not sounding the same as those crisp iron shots from Kyle Stanley. <laughs> Man, Kyle Stanley was a I played with him quite a few times. He was a unique dude. He very he was guy. very quiet. In college, he didn't party. He didn't. He just practiced and played golf and went to the gym. And like, um, the other guys were always just talking about how he they they would never get him out of his room. He's just really? kind of a kind of a lone, a little bit of a loner. But uh, nice Which, guy, you know, nice I mean, guy. Just kind of just kept to himself and wasn't into yeah. that party lifestyle. Yeah, I mean that's that's cool. I mean, you're not everybody's going to want to do that. Um, but it, it just socially, it was he was kind of tough to, yeah, it was tough to talk to. Um, but you know, he's still out there. What um, else? What else you guys make from um, St. Jude? You know, can't lay McElroy. Can't make big putt when it happens. I Fleetwood, got a bone to pick with Victor can't Hovland. Make, okay. I placed a very, very good bet. <laughs> I, forgot about, I forgot about this. So Thursday, he goes out. I don't remember what he shot. I want to say it was like 74. Um, I just had a feeling like this guy's. there's no cut. He's going to throw some good rounds up there. I watched him hit balls earlier in the week when he was out at Troubadour. And I'm just thinking, I'm just, I'm looking at him like, what, plus a thousand for a top 10? A couple of good rounds. He's right back in it. He's going to throw up some good scores. So he goes like 64, 65. He's like T3 going into the last round. Well, that was lock. This bet's a lock. I was actually looking at DraftKings for the cash out just to see what they were trying to cash me out on because they're like, ah, oh, this guy's got it. He's got us licked, which I often do not. <laughs> and somehow, some way, 
He bogeys 18 to fall from T6 to T13 because there were a, 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 just a group of players at 11 under. Finishes at 10 under. And bogeys 18. It was a very, very tough bogey to watch. <laughs> I got to be honest. That actually, I had him in our golf pool as well. And that that was the one that, that did it. If he had just, you know, finished up part of the last hole, I would have still won our golf pool, even with Patrick Hanley blowing it. Um, but whatever. Well, I didn't even throw it out. I was, I, I, I was, yeah, I was pretty happy about it. I didn't say. throw big money down, but I put 10 down to win 100. And I'm just sitting there going, this is it's too good to be true. <laughs> don't it you was, love don't you love gambling it yeah it's yeah. like i had it was it the um it was fleetwood and homa in the british open i had three tournament top 10 bets on them they were t9 in the house and cam young makes a 12 15 foot birdie putt on 18 and i'm watching this in the in the tavern at the foundry the tournament's over, right? Harmon's on 18 T box with like a five shot lead. Remy, actually, he was playing in the same group. It was a final group, right? That's right. Yeah, they're playing the same final group. He makes his putt, and I just start throwing stuff and cussing. Everyone's like, what is the matter? Because it bumped them down to T10, and then I had to split it because it wasn't a complete. Uh, it cost me like $300. Did you do that on FanDuel or DraftKings? Uh, it was with a bookie. No, <laughs> I'd rather not say the dead heat rule is the dumbest thing that I've ever, yeah. I've ever come across. Um, if you, for those of you who are listening, if I haven't already said this, uh, do not bet on FanDuel any top 10, top 20, top 30, top 40. They I will steal, they will steal your money. It's an absolute joke. I had, I had a top 10 bet that I placed it was a parlay and I had one player that finished Tied P10 at all the other players. I, I there's actually a four leg parlay. All the other players finished well within their their number. I had one player finished T10 with two other players. And if I, it, uh, long story short, if you would just say that was an even even money bet, hey, that's we're just going to avoid that bet. I would have tripled my money. But because he T10, they the way they did this dead heat roll and they split it and chopped it, I ended up m- losing money on this bet. Like I, I didn't even win even money. I lost, like I would put a $25 bet and I won like $2. And they said, Oh, it's because it's a dead who roll and you chop and you chop it down to the quarter of what they did or what, how they tied. And then that's how we do the percentage. I went back and forth with their customer service over and over and over arguing how this math is just fraudulent. Yeah, that, yeah. And, and they, after the whole, it was like four days of me going back and back and forth. And they said, I'm sorry that you feel this way, but here's a credit for a hundred dollars towards another FanDuel bet. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I was like, that's your way of saying that you were wrong and yeah. I'm okay with that and whatever. Yeah. But I still would never bet with FanDuel again. I think it's an absolute joke. And, and I'm sure at some point it's going to come out because the bylaws in their, in their, um, and they've actually since changed it since that week. They've changed the dead heat roll since I screenshotted what it was and what it is now. But since I've went through this big long argument with this guy, they've changed it. I was like, look, this is what your this is what the the procedures say. This is what the rules say for the dead heat. And you're not honoring that. Like you're I mean, again, I'm talking about a twenty five dollar bet. It's not a big deal. <laughs> but you know who you're talking to here. So um I went 
I'll, I'll win all, all in on it. And I was like, either you, you guys fix this or I'm just going to do everything I can to expose how shitty this is. And it's like, here's a hundred dollars. You bet 25, you should have won 300, but here's a hundred. And then let us change our letters. Let us change our dead heat rule. So you don't bring this up anymore. Yeah. That, that was enough to, for me to never, never play with them again. Did you bet the in golf when it comes to golf? Oh, uh, okay. Did you bet the hundred? Yeah. Oh yeah, I lost that. <laughs> uh, I got lucky. I I didn't even realize I had done it, but I put Webb Simpson. And I put ten somewhere around plus a thousand uh, on Webb Simpson, finished top ten at the Wyndham, and that's just a lock bet. I I looked at my DraftKings account and I was like, "There's like a hundred and seven dollars in here. Where'd that come from?" <laughs> I didn't even realize I had won the bet. That's what. That's how great of a gambler I, I am. That happens to me a lot. I I bet sometimes so much that I forget what I have on the line. It was one Just tournament. Up the next morning. Yeah, it was one tournament. This this I, I bet a lot on the majors, and there was one major. I think it was the U.S. Open. I thought I'd lost money, and then I went into my account. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm positive money. How'd that work? And then I forgot about two bets that I had won. <laughs> I didn't even realize I placed. It's great. Winner, winner. All right, so. McLean, you mentioned it earlier with Lucas. Let's talk some Ryder Cup. Yeah. Is Lucas Glover on your Ryder Cup team? If we pick tomorrow, he has to be. If we pick tomorrow, he 100% is on my Ryder Cup team. You got to pick the hot player at the moment. And winning twice in a row on the PGA Tour is nothing more than the definition of hot. So what what happens over the next two weeks could change that discussion. But if you pick right now, he has to be. There's no other way to look at it. I mean, you guys give me an argument where he's not on. But if we look at what the goal is with captain's picks and why we just don't go down the rankings of 1 through 12, it's to have the ability to pick someone who's hot and someone that has put themselves in the conversation. Lucas Dove, Lu, ah, Lucas Glover has done exactly that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he is. You know, when I look at this team, I think there's 10 locks. And then after the, the next two, we're going to be really interesting picks. You know, that he does, you know, his the argument for Lucas, not only is he, is he hot right now, but I think he's, from what I understand with Marco Simone, he's a, a pretty good course fit. It's a kind of a ball strikers, driving iron's going to be a premium. If he's putting this well, hell, I mean, he's got the personality in the game that you could really pair him with anyone. He's going to get along with people. He's easygoing. Like he, he's kind of shown that he's got the balls and doesn't back down the last couple of weeks. There's not many arguments against him. I think the part that's like holding me back from saying he's an absolute shoe in is just like this meteoric rise he's had, you know, two months ago. He, a month ago, he wasn't in the conversation, and now all of a sudden, he is skyrocketed. He's 16th in points. And so you look at it, the top six right now. So after this week, the top six are locked in. It's Scheffler, Clark, Cantlay is now up to third, Harmon, Kepka, and then Max Homo just bumped up one spot into the automatic qualifying spot of uh, sixth. Then you got, to me, then it would be Xander, Jordan Spieth, Cam Young are definite locks. Seven, eight, nine. 
Then I go Ricky Fowler is a definite lock. He's on 13th on the points, but I say he's a lock. He's in for 10th. And then it's Morikawa, maybe. Um, Keegan Bradley, you can make an argument for. As Sam Burns. As, I, as much as it pains me to say it, JT's out. I think JT's out, yeah. I think yeah. he's absolutely out. He's out. You know, for the, for the exact opposite reason why Lucas is in. Yeah. He can't yeah. play the next couple of weeks to show something that, hey, my game's rounded into form. I've changed. You can't. There's you don't have it. left there. It's over. It's over. If he'd have gotten in to, um, if he'd gotten in last week and kind of risen through the ranks and somehow gotten to Atlanta, he, he may have had a chance of getting in. But without the ability to, to show anything in the playoffs, it's over. So to me, it's, my team is the, the last two spots are are three for two. It's Morikawa, Keegan Bradley, Lucas Glover are my two of those that guys in, one's out. Barring, I think Burns is in the equation as well. Yeah, Bar- he needs to show me a little bit something. Win the match play this year. What's that? He did win the match play this year. I mean, talking about the only match play event we have, he did win. I mean, he hasn't played super great as of late, but again, match play, we all know, is a different animal. And and you look at somebody like Keegan Bradley, who has been playing uh, better. Um, His record in in match play events outside of Ryder Cup is 1-12-6. Not great. Not great. Not great. Um, Yeah, I could skip Keegan. Um, I think more cow is in. I think it's more cow Fowler. If Glover just has decent finishes the next two weeks, I think you can't not pick him. Yeah, this is barring like if Denny McCarthy wins this week, right? You know, yeah. or something like that happening, or Kurt Kitayama wins this week, or Harris English wins uh, this week. Kitayama could win, and he's still out. Well, he might get up close enough in the points, but Kitayama has been playing very poorly as of late. He has, yeah. He is not playing well. Um, but a win he, changes that. <laughs> a win does change that. Denny McCarthy, again, he needs a win. I mean, if that's the conversation we're having, I agree with you. Kitayama, McCarthy, the only way they get in is with a win. Um, I would love to play with a with a uh, Denny McCarthy and match play. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy... I mean, he he just rolls and puts the same reason why I would like to play with Ricky Fowler. I mean, normally not Lucas Glover, but he has got this newfound, you know, crazy wand that he's using. Um, so and then but then you look at somebody like Colin Morikawa, who's got a very mediocre record in match play as well. Um, not not bad. It's pretty even Steven across the board. Three wins, three losses, three halves. Um, I think the I think the one player, in my opinion, that I, I'm most uncomfortable with would be Cam Young. That that's kind of up there in the ranks. Um, he's got a lot of firepower, can make some birdies, but he is very volatile. Um, sure. And I, I don't. I mean, honestly, if if I were picking a a guy, I'd go with. I would pick Ricky. I would pick Sam Burns because he's he's obviously proven himself in match play. Morikawa is if he's far enough up. I'd, Keegan Bradley would be out, and then I think I'd have to slide in. I, Lucas Glover would have to go in right now just because he's so hot and he wants to be on the team, which he's never played in a Ryder Cup, so he wants. Yeah, to Yeah, that a was a pretty cool answer. It was all over social media, but pretty yeah. cool answer in the uh, in the he press like, conference. Do you, do you think you should? Do you think you should be on this team? And he was like, "Yes." 
<laughs> yeah, because like, I've never you, played on one and I want to. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you ever thought about it? He's like, about 15 minutes ago. Like, What'd you think about it? I think I'd never qualified and I would like to. Like, it was just so, <laughs> just so Lucas Glover, like, just so simple, so honest. Like, um, yeah. Well, so it's, it's at, interesting. Let's look at the other side real quick. Sure. You know, as a member of the media, we got to, we got to portray both, uh, both viewers here. So, can someone explain what the difference between the European and world points are for those that are out there and, um. and myself? <laughs> <laughs> um, looking at it, and all of a sudden, I would have before I looked at this, I would have told you, oh, I know exactly how this is. Um, world points is basically what they go off of, correct? It's not just European, so there's two lists, they take three from each list. Got you, which makes take- it very difficult for us to try to analyze right now. <laughs> no, if you look at the world points, I think it basically shows it down there, and you can look at the, the two between. Um, so if you, yeah, so if you look at the European point list, the top three qualifiers, and two of them are already in, Rory and Rom have got enough points that they're already in, not like they were gonna not be on the team, anyways. Yeah, yeah, and then from the European point list, uh, Robert McIntyre is third. Yeah, you then go to the wild. world point list, I think the European point list has to do with European tour events. And the world point list factors in your PGA because so many guys play on the PGA Tour and all that other stuff. I, I think that's the difference. I'm not 100% positive on that. Don't hold me to that. But I, I think that's kind of the difference. So then you look at the world point list. Rom and Rory are one and two, but they're already in. So then you go to the next three. It's Victor, Hatton, and Tommy Fleetwood. I think those are locks. Yeah, those guys are in. I think you'd got to think. A, a Shane, Shane Lowry, Shane Lowry Shane Patrick are in. Got to be a pick. Yeah. Um, Shane Lowry, Fitzpatrick. I, you know, I like Fitzpatrick, and he's soft. He's just he just strikes me <laughs> as soft. I mean, if I had to fight anyone in pro golf, I think it would be Matt Fitzpatrick. <laughs> like if I if I had my my pick, um, I got Peter Malnati. Great player. Um, I think Jay wants to fight Peter Malnati. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, Nadi is such a nice guy. I would never fight him. He's. Well, I know. I know. I'm just saying, like, if, I, if I had to pick someone to go into a cage match with, Fitzpatrick <laughs> is one through 10, all 10 times. I will pick Matt's, Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, like especially you go, you go cross handed chipping. No, you fight through the yips like a man. That's what I'm doing. And I suck. <laughs> So, yeah, so you got the six. If McIntyre makes it, Hovland, Hatton, Fleetwood, you know Fitzpatrick's going to be on the team. They're, they're, the Europeans aren't deep enough to keep Fitzpatrick off the team. Shane Lowry's going to make it. You would think they put a Justin Rose on there. He's been playing pretty well this year. He's that stalwart veteran. Yeah, but then after, right there. Yeah, after that, it gets interesting. Like Adrian Moronk, Alex Norman, Seamus Power, Thomas Dietrich. Yannick Paul. The last like three spots are pretty iffy for Europe. Aaron Durai is technically English. He's English. I say technical because it just there's no math there. That's where he was born, and that's his country of origin. So he is English. You don't have to be so obvious about it, Mike. (laughs) Kind of a bag of dick statement there, but all right. Um, look, I like Seamus Power. 
I, I, I just, I like him. I'd love to see him get his chance to play for the Ryder cup. Um, Justin Rose, I think is a lock, obviously with his experience, Shane Lowry, same thing. These guys have the experience that I think that team will need to go in there and fight. What's going to be a really good American squad this year. What about Seb Straka? The guys earned his, earned his way. I mean, I think he's right there, you know, just outside the, the qualifications. Yeah. I mean, he's ahead of Lowry and Rose on the point list. But you don't pick Straka over Lowry or Rose. Oh, no, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he is ahead of it. But if if you have those three and you can take two out of three, you're going to take Lowry and Rose. They're both playing pretty good. Lowry consistently shows up in the big events. He shines in majors. He shines in these Ryder Cup formats. He's got that grit about him. Um, I love watching him play match play. And he's one of those guys when we when we watch the Ryder Cup um, matches. He, you envy kind of what he has. He's got skin in the game, um, and I just, I just, I like that guy. I really do. I've heard one name floating around: Ludwig Aberg. Hasn't, hasn't amassed a ton of points. He just got out of college in May, um, but is is playing really well and just kind of a nod to hey, you're you're going to be probably on these teams for quite a while. This the Swede that played at Texas Tech. And having him be one of the captain's picks. He's, he's had some pretty first. decent finishes. He hits it a long ways. He's a hell of a ball striker. So that's, that's kind of an interesting name. Pick. That, that, I agree with you. And I'm not saying he wouldn't be great there. But, man, that's deep. That's going to ruffle some feathers going down to 61 um, for him to get in. Sure. Uh, one guy that I just passed and just kind of a unique story. You talk about you know your all-time comebacks. Um, down there at... Where was he? 28th, Thor Bjorn Olsen. What a comeback. Went he from, the guy that well, like, got drunk on the airplane and got arrested? Yeah, got, he groped some girl on a flight, went to the absolute abyss of professional golf, and somehow he's quietly come back. I, I think they have a team of people that keep him. They, they shovel him from the golf course back to the, the <laughs> house or whatever it is. He's not allowed to do anything uh, at this point. I can only imagine. One one more uh, one more guy I want to discuss. I don't know why I want to discuss him, but on the U.S. side, you guys taking Bryson after his fifty eight and sixty one fifty eight at the Greenbrier? Look, look, we're not we haven't even discussed those guys yet, and that's a conversation that we really need to have. I'm actually really glad you brought that up because there's a couple of guys over there that I think should be in consideration. I mean, Bryson's probably number one. Much I'm I'm personally not a big Bryson fan. But talk about a guy who's playing well. Um, he played very well this the, this week, though. I didn't see what he shot this week. I don't. I don't seven. Have well, they, he shot over par. Finished Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka shot seven over. So I'm like, uh, you know, it's it's tough to it's tough to look at this field, 48 man field, and see like you you've got this condensed version of a real golf tournament. So you've got 156 players um, in a normal event, and these. You know, these uh, playoff events obviously less, but cut to 65, 70 and ties, depending on what they have. And you're looking at, you know, just shy of a half of the field. So if you go back and look at the math on these live events, you know, like what, what, where were the guys after, after two rounds and where was 24th place? And they were over par um, in this last event, but he wouldn't have made the cut and end up shooting seven over. And I know he's, he's within the, 
numbers within the within the number here. He's going to probably fall out before uh, before the end of. Uh, I guess this is the last week. This is the last can, week. I think he's money. probably in. He's locked in unless it's. It'll be close. It's a big money. I think he'll probably fall out with all of these guys behind him playing. Brad, Bradley's playing more. Cal is playing. Cam Young, Jordan Spieth, Xander Shoffley, Sam Burns. All these guys are playing. The the guys who are probably going to pass him based on where they are. I mean, Shoffley's a hundred percent going to pass him. Spieth is most likely going to pass him, and then Cam Young. So there's a good chance he's going to drop outside of that lock, um, and then he's going to have to be a pick, which I think Zach Johnson wanted him to be a lock, so he didn't have to do it. Um, and it's certainly he's certainly not helping his case. He's fallen under the it's not a major, I don't give a shit kind of uh, you know ploy, which. I, I mean, I do think he's he does show up when it's the big moment. So I, I do think he probably should be on the team. But it is irritating to watch him not give a shit about any other event other than a major. I'm like, okay, well, which Kepka are we going to get for the Ryder Cup? Like, if if you've got something else going on, do you, and because this is a exhibition match, do you just not care anymore? Like, are we going to get the major Brooks Kepka? Are we going to get the? Uh, I don't care. This doesn't matter. I don't get paid for this. Uh, I don't give a shit. Like. I, yeah, I his last three finishes were 17th, 41st, and 38th. That's not great. Again, it's the tale of – it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. And Mr. Hyde here with Brooks Kepka. It's like, again, you just don't know what you're going to get. I, I, I do I, – in majors, yes, he he is – he always performs. But, you know, is he going to do that at the Ryder Cup, you know? I don't know. He he's kind of proven that he can kind of go both ways. So I don't know. It's just it makes it tough to kind of have a definitive answer on how he's going to play. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. But we got what? So it's one more week for the picks to be locked in. The qualifiers to be locked in, excuse me. And then I think it's one more week after that for them to decide the captain's picks. Yeah, that's correct. So, it'll be cool. Interesting to see. A lot of uh, a lot of things up in the air. Definitely some some new faces on the on the U.S. side uh, than we definitely would have thought of at this time last year. So, well, it's also tough because there's so many. I mean, I shouldn't say so many, but you look at guys like Deshambo and Dustin Johnson, who if they were playing a full season on the PGA tour. I think all of us would feel like they, they would obviously qualify. They would uh, qualify. I mean, that's the, that's the problem. I mean, Dustin Johnson, if he were playing a full schedule on the PGA tour, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Has he ever not qualified for the Ryder cup since he's been so. playing? I don't believe so. Been a while. I, I don't think so either. And Bryson's a little bit of a, a wild card, but I mean, to his credit, you know, I know he uh, again. He played incredible golf two weeks ago. He backed it up with some very mediocre golf, um, better than better than Brooks. But uh, you know, sixty one fifty nine or fifty eight. I'm sorry the 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 lowest consecutive two round total of any professional event on record that that I've seen that anyone else has said or have seen one nineteen in two rounds back to back. I don't care how they, easy they say the golf course is set up. I saw that the stat that the, I don't even know who it was. Some stupid idiot, you know, mathematician said that it was the 324th best round in the history of the uh, history of golf. And I'm like, 
I, I get where you're doing strength to field, strength to this. But again, like we've always talked about, there's the there's that sense of clutch that you can't measure. Like a guy goes and shoots 58. I don't care if it's par 70. And it wasn't, it's not like it's set up, it wasn't 6,500 yards and it was in the rain. And I know everyone else was playing the golf course pretty easy uh, or playing well and it was felt pretty easy, but still to 61, 58, like there's still pressure there to shoot under under 60, sub 60, which there's only been a handful, you know, I could say a couple handfuls of guys that have done it in the history of professional golf. So, well, and uh, even beyond that, you know, it's very difficult when you're that low to keep it going. No one takes yeah. that because it's consideration. I don't care if it's a 6,000 yard golf course. These sure. guys are much better at it than, you know, the average guy. Don't get me wrong. But it's, it's tough to keep the pedal down. It's tough to keep getting the hole in the way of the golf ball that many times. 58 is nuts good. Nuts good. I mean, if you if you pulled all of the guys on either the Live Tour or the PGA Tour and you asked how many how many how many of you have shot below 60 in any round, not just a obviously not a professional round, but just any round ever. I mean, you'd be surprised at how little uh, or how few guys oh. say, yeah, I've shot below 60. It's not, I don't 100%. care what golf course playing your home golf course. You know, I mean, it, it's just, it's so difficult to play, to play a golf course at that level. And I don't care if you're playing it at 6,500 yards and it should be easy. It's not easy to make, you know, 12, 13, 14 birdies around a golf. That's it's not easy. Right. So right. I don't know. I just, I, I thought that was, that was a, uh, we we tried to you know make make golf too scientific at that point, and I and I'm all about numbers. I, I I like looking at them, but I think you can you can try to uh, dig too deep and try to add too much value to math and numbers when it comes to something like that. And you, you, there, there's another element that they're not calculating in that in that description, like to rank that round as the 324th best round of golf. And professional golf, that's stupid. It's, it's There's only been – how many 58s have we seen math. in professional golf? Well, no, what I've, it is, only, is, I've only seen two, one or two. Yeah, Jim Furyk. And, Jim Furyk, uh, and then there was – well, Jim Furyk has the low on the PGA Tour, but I know there was another 58 or something and another uh, – I don't know if it was like one of the – I want to say that may have been Corn Ferry. But yeah, regardless, but I, regardless yeah. it's so difficult to do. So difficult to do. Um, and you're exactly right. You talk to people on the PGA Tour, most of them have not shot sub-60 round. It is absolutely incredible the fact that he was able to do it. And 58, people don't people don't understand 59 and 58 is a big difference. It's huge a huge difference. Again, there's difference. the there's the mental aspect of being able to one shoot below 60, sub-60 round, like your goal. It's like, can I do this? Can I do this? You, as you get going, you're seven, eight, nine under par through eight, nine, ten holes. You're like, okay. Let's do this. We can do this. I've been there. I've done it. Again, not on a super hard golf course, but a great golf course. You know, but you immediately start thinking that you're like, okay, your goal is like, I want to shoot 59. I want to shoot 59. And you start thinking about it. What do I need to do to shoot 59? What do I need to do this? How do I, how, how many birdies do I need to make? What do I need to do to get, make an eagle on this par five? And then that's what your goal is. And then all of a sudden you're like, hey, what about 58? You know, uh, it, it's totally different, totally different uh, setup, totally different thought process mentally. So, uh, and, and, and a lot of people haven't had the chance to do that and that's fine. It's, it's, it's kind of an, uh, I mean, I've never shot 58. That's it's incredible. I mean, well, it's an elite level, elite level thing. 
once you get to 11 or 13 under par, depending on the part of the golf course, 11 could be 11, 12, 13 under par. You know, you almost start becoming protective. It's hard to keep the pedal down. Yeah. Um, because you're like, wow, all right, I'm here. All I need to do is par in. And yeah. the correct thought, as we both know, is that, no, you you keep it rolling, keep the pedal down, and just keep running what you brung. The yeah. other crazy stat that it's not getting credit for is he did it in the rain. I hate it was, playing golf in the rain. It was it was nasty. I'm not I mean, making par in the rain. And you think about all the all how especially with uh, Bryson and how specific is he is with the golf ball and the clubs that he uses. You throw this other element into play: water, water on the ball, water on the face of the club, water in in the grass, in between. Um, in between the ball and the club, water on the greens, sh- slowing down the the way the ball rolls. He's such a you know you know a, a physicist in a sense that he's looking at every single angle, and you throw that on top of it, um, and he he could probably even attest to that. So again, I think I think that that ranking is bullshit because you know you don't they didn't go back and look at the weather on each one of these golf courses. They're just purely looking at how it was to the, the strength of the field, strokes gained to the to the rest of the field, which, I mean, granted, you only have 48 players, and if all the 48 players are good players, then, you know, it's not going to rank as high. Yeah, I mean, that, but, that, that, that commentary result, whatever that was calculated there, was only purely math, and it doesn't take into equation what actually happened, what is the realistic perspective of, how hard it is to do it in a tournament, how hard it is to do it in the rain, how hard it is um, to get there, to get that low and keep it rolling. I mean, it's one just- of the, one of the rounds that I think was on that list as the top 10 was like somebody shot 65 at the the players. And I think they, they, they gained like eight shots on the field, but they shot 65 and I'm like, okay, that, that, that's, that's that's a joke. Like that's a granted, it's a it's a hard golf course, but like yeah. to shoot 65, if, if you shoot 68 or 67 or even 66, say you you have a putt for 65 on the last hole and you don't make it and you shoot 66, that, no big deal. Like, hey, I played a great round of golf. There's no pressure coming down the stretch that you have to shoot 58. Whereas in this situation, you knew where you stood and this was a monumental number big number a big number in terms of a the mental approach to how you're going to play the play the hole not only that but he's trying to win a golf tournament i mean he ended up winning the golf tournament with a 58 on sunday i think i definitely think it it would rank higher than that but again you know you know back to the to the main point there about bryson you know playing on the on the Ryder cup i think um i i think he would be a good i would play with him i actually i actually like I like the guy. I think he's weird, very weird, but I feel like I could get along with him because I knew if I could manage that relationship, so to speak, with him on the golf course, I knew I could I could find a way to get the best out of him. And if if I could get a guy who could hit a golf ball 350 yards and carry it, you know, whatever, like I said, 350 yards, 330 off the tee, 190 plus ball speed, and we're playing a, a four ball. I'd feel real comfortable with what I can do to help him. Um, And I would, I would rather play with a guy like that um, than Patrick Reed, who is, is a tough match play player. But like, just think of the, think of the advantage that you have playing with a guy who can hit it further than anyone else 
on the golf course by a long shot. And I'm talking everybody, Rory, all these guys. It's a huge advantage, you know, especially when they set up the way they set up these Ryder Cup matches, President's Cup and Ryder Cups. They always like to set up some of these holes with drivable par fours, short par fives. They want to see firepower. I don't know. I mean, again, I know he didn't play well this past week, but I think he should be up there. And I think it, it really just comes down to it, d- it depends on the the captain and who else is already on the team and the camaraderie. And like I, like you mentioned earlier, if it were if Dustin and Bryson were playing on the PJ Tour, they probably would have qualified on their own or been right in the mix. But because yeah. they're not, then then it's it makes it a lot tougher. But yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I think they they certainly would help. I agree. I uh, I lost you there for a little bit, guys. I apologize. I'm back. I had some te- technical difficulties. So I missed. I my computer just knew the Bryson, Bryson's name got brought up, and was like, "We're going to exit you out of this conversation for a few minutes." <laughs> but I will say, I, so, I, I, tip your cap tip your to him for, for the sixty-one fifty-eight. That that shit's impressive. As much as I don't like the guy, that that's hard to do to shoot two two very low rounds. Back to back is hard. He's also he's also never lost a match in the Ryder Cup. This what is he? Now. Three now, four now. He's two zero oh, and one. Two zero oh, and one. Okay. Um, nothing. Nothing crazy, but he also. Yeah, I think. I, I I think because he's a little bit of a hard personality. Mm-hmm. He's got to show me a bunch on the golf course. Yeah, he's got to. He's got to. And again, I think he had a good start with the with the finish or with his play at the Green Bar. And then if he were if he had backed it up this week um, with another top the, five or with, something with another or... top five and showed showed that he was playing really good golf, that would have made it really difficult for Zach Johnson. And I think, you know, I'm sure Zach he didn't play great loved... in the majors this year either. Yeah, I'm sure he'd love to see that he didn't have to worry about him anymore. In my opinion, I'm sure he was like, Oh gosh, that's one person I can just check off the list. Cause it was, if he had played well, it was going to make it really difficult for him to pick a two live guys and eliminate, you know, some guys who've been on the playing the PJ tour all year, acquiring point uh, points. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah it'll be, it, it would be quite the gamble. Um, yeah. Speaking would- of gambling. What'd you guys make of Phil Mickelson's? Uh, the the excerpt in the Billy Walters book. This was everywhere. I'm not going to rehash it. I'm sure everyone has seen it. Um, Billy Walters coming out with a book, the notorious gambler that was in prison for a while for insider trading that Phil was caught up in as well. And yeah, I guess the, I mean, we all knew. I mean, there's been all kinds of rumors and numbers for years on how much Phil gambles and his losses. And I wasn't really shocked by anything that I read in the excerpt. It, you know, it was, yeah, it is what it is. I guess the only thing that there's two things that are kind of maybe worth noting. Um, one, did he ever bet on golf? You know, there was the insinuation that he wanted to bet on the Ryder Cup. Yes, he was going to bet on the U.S. team. Um, and some people say that's not a big deal if you want to bet on your own team. But if you're starting to bet in the sport and you are an addict, you're not going to tell me that you're not going to take a bet on the other side one time, you know? Yeah. Um, 
so that is okay. Did he do it or did he not? Did he ever? If he if he did bet on the Ryder Cup, I would think he's probably bet on the opposite side sometime. You know, you get in a bad way. You know, yeah. you, you can't tell me a guy's bet hundreds of millions of dollars and never done it. That's a little iffy. Um, and the other issue, and this was brought up by Alan Shipnuck, who broke the excerpt, who got the excerpt from Billy Walters. He kind of made an interesting point when I was listening to him talk about it on his podcast. He's like, if Phil really was, like if Billy Walters' numbers are accurate and he was like this far in debt or had lost this much money, $100 million that he lost, I mean, that you're talking a very high percentage of his net worth was gone. And then he got in bed with the Saudis. Alan was like, did he cause all this chaos because of his gambling? Like this whole golf ecosystem has been flipped on its head with so much drama over the last two years. Is that because Phil Mickelson was too busy gambling it away? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that was part. I'm, I've no no doubt that that was part of it. I think that was already in the works. I mean, Greg Norman has been trying to do this for 25, 30 years. So. Sure. Um, but I think it was a perfect storm between you know, Greg Norman's hatred for the execs uh, in you know in and on the PGA Tour, and 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 Phil Mickelson was probably in a similar situation, and he had some you know you know I should say some he probably had multiple instances where he was unhappy with the way things were handled, and that was fuel to his fire, and like okay you know here we go what what how can I get out of my bad situation and and catapult myself and, and get out of the situation. He's yeah. Like you said, I'm not, I'm not surprised at all. Not in the yeah. slightest. I mean that, I mean, I, I didn't look at that and like, Oh wow. He, you know, he bet a million, a billion dollars. I'm like, okay, whatever. This guy's a degenerate gambler. Like who cares? Like I, I just, yeah. it, it was literally like I read it and just went on to the next thing. Like it wasn't not, it wasn't even news to me. It was like, Oh, I already, it, I already knew that. The fact that I heard that he bet on the Ryder Cup, that was a little bit different. I mean, I think that when you bet on the sport that you're playing, although I will say if you if you say you're betting, like you said, Mike, if you bet on your team to win and you're a participant, that's that's bad enough, but there's no chance that he only bet on his team to win and never tried to cover yeah, himself. If you're an addict. Bet and, yeah. Like it's you like saying, oh, I'm an, I'm an alcoholic, but I don't drink. I don't drink vodka. I'm an alcoholic, but I don't drink vodka. Well, no, you're yeah. you're gonna drink it all. Like you're, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't say you put a bet on on the on the U.S. to win the Ryder Cup, and then you guys are down, you know, whatever after the first day. And you're like, oh shit, let me bet this on. Let me, on let me the, hedge this on the yeah. Let me hedge this and bet on the Euros to to win here, and and then that way I get out of here and I only lose half of what I should have lost. Um, yeah. I mean, the one thing I'll say is he obviously had it. You know, what people do with their own money, it's up to them. There's definitely a conflict of interest between what he potentially bet on golf and his involvement in it. And it certainly brings to light, you know, kind of a Pete Rose situation. But one of the things that I heard, and I listened to the Fire Pit Collective uh, on this. They they kind of had a... Uh, um, they did breakdown. a quick podcast and a breakdown of this and the excerpt that was from the Billy Walters book. The Ryder Cup bet, for example, 
we don't know of any others that are publicized that, you know, he had direct involvement with. He bet on something that he was confident that they were going to pull off and he was betting on himself and who, so there wasn't any lay down to it. He wasn't laying down or, you know, holding back because of his ability to influence the match, influence the, the bet. It gets very hairy. The The lines get very blurred. It's a very much of a gray area to try and discuss that and say, you know, what does that look like? But there's still something to it. And I don't know what that is. Yeah, I, my take is, yeah, I understand he was betting on himself and he was betting on the confidence of the team. But when you're betting that much, you can't tell me. I, I just don't trust it, right? If you're an addict, I don't trust you with that vice whatever it is if it's drugs or alcohol or gambling whatever the hell it is if it's pain pill like if a guy runs out of if a guy's addicted to pain meds and he runs out he's gonna try to find something else to cure his fix right so it's aptitude and character don't fall into this like if you're if you're addicted to to that part of it you're not gonna be like oh well you know what i bet a million on Ryder cup or the u.s to win the Ryder cup but I will never bet against the the U.S. team. You don't never. have that self discipline. Won't do that. Do that. But I only bet a million on the U.S. <laughs> team to win. Like if you're betting a million dollars, you're going to do whatever you can to get some of that back. I don't care how much money you have. And he didn't obviously have enough to just throw away a million dollars. He he doesn't. Yeah. So that's the only thing that I really took from it was that real kind of tidbit of don't bet on. Do it. I hate Phil. Bet whatever you want, dude. I don't care. It's not. It's your money, right? But just don't bet on golf. Just don't bet on golf. Simple. Just stay away from the sport that you're involved with. Um, but it's hard for those guys. I think if if you're an addict, yeah. you're an addict. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm all honesty. I've got so much Phil Mickelson fatigue. It's. I feel like he's on Twitter and he. I see headlines oh phil made a comment on this and phil made a comment on that and phil's talking about gave his opinion on you know and i'm just like oh god go away i'm just done with them i'm just done i want him out of my life <laughs> yeah i don't i don't really care too much for that guy i mean you know he I had comments I on the i've never guy. met him i've never met the guy i don't know him you know but i i will say this like you know if you want, you know, if you want people to to know you and to you know to respect you, and you want fans, like you've got to you've got to give them something to hold on to, and you got to give them something to respect. If you're if you're so uh, if you're so wishy washy all the time, and you put up you know, you're all your whole life is a facade, how are you going to have any true fans? I mean, everything that he's done, he is it's been counteracted and it's been exposed. It's like, well, wait a second. Like, and at this point, it's like everything that you did was a lie all the time. All the things that you said, other other than your golf, other than your golf, because he's a talented golfer, but all the other bullshit, your your family life, your gambling, all this other stuff was a big, big lie and is a is all bullshit. It's like, okay, well, man, I, I kind of like that guy, but I liked him because he acted like he was a family man, but really he wasn't. And then I liked him because he said he liked dogs and he hates them. And he said he liked kids, but he hates <laughs> them. And he, and he hates old people too. And I'm like, God damn, Shooter McGavin. Like, I don't David, like you either. 
David Sims <laughs> from Tin Cup. I'll have you know he hates dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know. I'm just he's just always got to put in his two cents for everything. You know, they asked him about the Ryder Cup. He's like, oh, well, yeah, I'm not going to give my opinion because I'm sure Zach doesn't want it. And then he goes off on a three-minute thing. Well, well, I would pick this guy, and I would pick this guy because I'm like, well, I thought you weren't going to give your opinion. Like, uh, anyways, let's move on yeah, from yeah. Phil. Anyway, I had, thought we had to address that. Um, it was the biggest news in golf this past week. So, But just go away, dude. Just go away. Um, all right, tour news uh, over the last couple of weeks. There's been a few things here or there. Um, we don't have to spend a ton of time on this. There's nothing really groundbreaking um, coming out of them yet. They, they do seem like a little bit of a shit show. Um, but Tiger, I guess probably the biggest thing tour-related, Tiger's now on the policy board and is going to take a bigger role, and the players now have um, equal or even more representation on the policy board. So they have enough votes themselves. Um, for anything moving forward, and it, you know, I think Monahan's going to be out by the end of the year. In all honesty, but it sounds like the the players are putting the screws to the tour for more transparency, more control. I don't know. I don't trust. I have said this before. I don't trust any of them to do the right thing. I don't trust the players to do the right thing. The players are in it for themselves. They want. They're greedy themselves. They want these no cut events, and they don't want to lose their cards. And I, I don't I don't know. I do trust Tiger more than any of them because he is a guy that does want the old school, like go earn it in the dirt and have cuts, that kind of stuff. So I think I like Tiger being on it from that standpoint where some of these guys, I think they just, you know, want to be handed a fistful of money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I think uh, it's one of the unique sports there where you, you're trying to blend the you're trying to blend the 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 nature of the sport and the art of the sport uh, of earning earning your your money, um, but also you're trying to deal with sponsors who provide that money, and that's that's the dilemma. It's like, okay, the, we want the players to earn it. You know, hey, free for all. There's no contracts. Go get it. If you play well, you get the money. But then your sponsors, on the other hand, say, look, I don't want. I don't want uh, Jimmy Bob Thornton to qual- Monday qualify and and win the tournament. Um, I, yes, I, that could be a great story, but if we have that every week, then the people aren't going to tune in because they don't want to watch this guy that they've never heard of. They don't know anything about. So there's got to be a blend there at some point. Um, but at the same time, you know, you look at you go down the line and you look at uh, the resurgence of somebody like Lucas Glover. Now, I'm Lucas Glover's a major champion, so it's not like we're talking about a guy that we've never heard of, but he's just been out of the out of the mix, and it's been a great story. So, this from a sponsorship standpoint, you know, I think they're I think they're very pleased with it because it's it's catching some buzz. Like, who the hell this guy came back and won? I mean, he hasn't played well in six years. Like, okay, what's the story? Like, tell me more, right? Um, so I, I think that's the, I mean, that's the, that's the conundrum with professional golf and, and how do we make it appealing to the fan? And we've gone back and forth of this between the PGA tour, how many events are we playing? Um, how many, how many top tier players are playing, uh, and how much money is involved? I mean, it, it's a, it's very cyclical. It goes back and forth and back and forth. You know, is there a perfect Perfect answer. I don't think there is. I think it's just going to be ever flowing and it's going to, you got to kind of move, move with the wave, but yeah, I mean, it's going to, 
it, it definitely it's definitely beneficial to have for the players to have an equal say, more of an equal say, because in the end of the day, they are the they're they're the talent. You know, I hate to say it. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm I kind of favor the player side because that's that's where I was. But you know, you don't have a tour without players that that are good at golf. But you also don't have a tour if you have don't have people that. Uh, organize it and you don't have the you don't have the money so it's a balance i mean i think they're both they both deserve an equal equal share um and i'll and i always go back to like a pro-ams and as an example you know the guys who uh who don't like to play in the pro-ams and they don't like to give back like dude you're playing for millions of dollars every week and you can't play in one fucking wednesday pro-am and act like you you're having a good time because you know, you've got a guy with his company has sponsored how however much money, and he's bringing three colleagues from his from his company, KPMG or whatever these big companies are, and he wants to get out. And he wants to have a great experience. He wants to get close inside the ropes. And he wants to play with a professional golfer. And he wants to have a good time. Give it, give them what they want. You're an actor, dude. You're in there. You're you are in the entertainment business. I know that you play golf and it's a sport, but. You have to, yeah. you have to play. So I think it goes both ways. I mean, I don't think, I don't think the, the players are, are the only show because if you don't have organizers uh, to do it, then you have nothing either. So it, it goes both ways. I mean, it's a little bit so of the, the chicken or the egg, right? Like yeah. The players are saying, well, if you don't have us, you don't have a tour. And the tour is basically saying, well, Patrick Cantley, if you quit golf tomorrow, Someone's going to take your spot. There's going to be players. There's always right. going to be players, and there's going to be the next generation. And so there's sure. there's the whole there's the there's both sides of it. I don't trust either of them to do the right thing. I don't have the answers. It's golf's a very hard sport, not from the difficulty of playing, which it is, but it's a hard professional sport to put out a good product out there that's also fair and balanced, but has some turnover. Like so, my biggest thing is we kind of look you know, the PJ tour schedule came out for next year and it was kind of all the rumors that we had already heard um, over the last couple months. You know, my biggest thing is with these, these smaller events that they're going to do. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the the information here in front of me um, is the no cut events. I just don't want them to give like FedEx cup points to every player that gets into that field. Because then you're not going to have the churn of the new guys, right? So the people that just made the BMW this week, the top 50, they're guaranteed into all of these new signature events, which is how they're going to phrase these things. Those guys might always be in there. Like, I want to see how many of those guys fall out next year. Because if they're getting into all these no-cut events and just gathering more and more points that other players can't get then you're just not going to have the turnover. I want to just make sure that there's turnover and these guys aren't saying, oh, I got top 50 one year and now I'm good for like three. Yeah, I hate that. I hate that shit. I, I really do. I think it's, I, I, I think that's what's, that's the beauty of, of, of the professional golf, the way that we, it, we know it up until this point. It's like you, you continually have to earn your spot. And, and when you see a guy on TV every week, you're like, that guy's still out there. You know, that's the cool part. Like Lucas Glover, you're like, man, that guy's still playing. He hasn't played well in six years and he's still out there. He's still good enough to keep his card and to still be relevant. Like, damn, that's incredible. Cause there's a, there's 
a hundred guys that were in the same position that don't have their card anymore. And they're like, shit, if I just kept on, if I just kept playing and kept grinding, uh, I could still be there. Maybe, maybe I would have figured out, maybe I started using the same damn putter that Lucas, Lucas started using. And I could have, you know, maybe not, <laughs> maybe not have won the Wyndham in the, and the FedEx or the, uh, or FedEx uh, event in Memphis, but, but I'd still be, but I'd still be playing, you know, there's plenty of guys that could say that. I mean, a, a couple hundred that could yeah. say that. So, Oh yeah. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of golf. And I think, again, I know we want to see the same stars, but I, I, I do put this a little bit on the, on the sponsors and the broadcasters. And then I've said this in the past, like the, the what's, what makes golf great is the turnover. Uh, and what, what, and I think that what the sponsors should capitalize on is the fact that there are new players. Tell me the story. And that goes back to the networks. How can you get, uh, get digging deep, have a storyline on each one of these players. So when they are in the mix, you show it and the people watching like, Oh, wow. I didn't realize, you know, that guy, he grew up in this area and he had no money and, and, and learned how to play golf, chipping on pavement in the, on the streets or whatever the situation is, but you learn the backstory and then you grow some respect for these players. But if you don't know anything about them, you hear Nick Taylor. Okay. Nick Taylor. I know seven Nick Taylors. Okay. What's cool about this guy? Nothing. No one told me anything about him. All right. I'll wait for Dustin Johnson to show up on the screen or, you know, whoever. So I I think it's, I think it it really, there's got to be a conglomerate between, not just the players and the organizers, the tour, but you have to get the networks and the sponsors all to work together to try to boost this up. And I, I think they've done, they've made some strides, but I don't think it's enough. I think they, I think they need to do a, a better job of, of displaying. I mean, look at the, I mean, everybody loved the Netflix documentary, you know, in the full swing. They love that, you know, Graham, we're only talking about 10 players, but Hey, why not pay? Why not pay a um, uh, a filming crew to do this nonstop? Have multiple crews film multiple players. Hey, I'm here. We're going to follow these ten rookies on the PJ Tour, and we're going to tell you all about them, and then let people make their own opinions on them. Yeah, there needs to be way more of that stuff. There's got to be way more of that stuff. It's got to be. Like, that's the only way. Like, you can't compare it to the NFL or because that the product speaks for itself. It's a two and a half hour game once a week. It's easier to get behind it. You've got teams and we we don't have to go down that road with the team thing. But you're going to get the followers just because. Um, And with golf, it's that you don't have that. You're trying to connect with the players. How can I connect with the players? You're going to connect with the team because you're from that city. And you're going to get your followers um, and and what have you. But with golf, you've got to find a way to connect with these ever changing players, and it's got to be it's got to be a, a unified effort between the players, uh, the tour, the sponsors, and the um, and the networks. And I, yeah. I, I think they're I think they're missing the boat somewhere along the line. And until they figure out how to do that, until there's just too many there's too many people that want their piece of the pie or have their agenda. And I, I get, I get why TV and the sponsors and the players don't want to cut. And I get why the tours, you know, kind of um, bowing down to them, especially right now, because Monaghan wants to keep his job. Right. Sure. But I, I understand all that, but I don't know. There's just the traditionalist in me that just kind of loves the meritocracy of, 
you got to earn your paycheck on the PGA Tour. You don't sign a $125 million guaranteed contract like you do in some other sports. And, um, you know, you have one yeah. good year, you sign a big contract in a free agent year, and you're set for life, and you don't ever have to perform again. I, I fucking hate well, that about some of these other sports. That's not fun. Like, I don't want to no. – you don't want to watch – you don't want to watch uh, athletes – or anyone at the, that at, that's at that level, you don't you want to watch them do things that are easy. You want them to do things that are hard. That's why that's why everyone says Tom Brady's the goat, right? He's the goat because he won seven Super Bowls, and no one's ever done that before, and it seems impossible, right? And that's why everyone loves Tiger because he, you know, he's won eighty two PGA Tour events and he's won fifteen majors. And he 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 he, uh, he accomplished all these feats that seemed impossible. Like you don't want to. Hey, you won the the Firestone WGC event because there was only sixty five players. The same reasons that we 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 argue that the Live Tour mm-hmm. is not as fun to watch because there's not as many players. You know the same reason. Like we want it to be hard. We want to see the greatest. We want to see the best. We want to see things that we haven't seen before. You know, and I think if if we get too far away from that, that's what makes that's what makes golf fun. If we get too far away from it, that's what that's what's going to make it another thing on TV. And then we turn the channel. You know, yeah. I'll start watch. I'll start watching Formula One racing. I guess, which is entertaining. Which is entertaining. <laughs> it, it is entertaining. But then you know, like even that, like with that, and with with uh, soccer, you have. I think Formula One has a re- uh, relegation as well. Like, hey, if your if your crew doesn't doesn't do its job, you're out, <laughs> you know, there's some pressure and people yeah. want to see, I hate to say it, but they, people love drama. They want, they want to see people fold. If you, if you don't like that player, you want to see him crack. And if you love that player, you want to see him rise up to the occasion. It is what it is. We love drama. That's why we watch it. We yeah. don't watch it because we want to see, you know, a ho-hum event where we just like looking at the greens and looking at the uh, nature, you know, we don't want to watch that on TV. If we want to do that. We'd show up in person. We want to watch drama. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, yeah. You're right. Though. I do think Jay Monahan is probably out. I don't think he's the man for the job. Unfortunately, I think he's put in a tough situation. Um, but I think there's, I think there's probably somebody else that's got a well. There's also his, his right his right hand man just resigned. He was forced to resign. All the rumors are. It sounds like he was. Um, Maybe he's dipping his pen in some ink that he shouldn't have. That's not good. Um, it sounds like there's some inappropriate behavior going on at PJ Tour headquarters behind the inappropriate moat. Inappropriate money-wise or? No, inappropriate. No. <laughs> um, extramarital. Personal some personal skills. Extramarital skills. Not good. Yeah. Not good. But it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm in slayer to those kind of things. Being, well, maybe that's not the right way to put it. Uh, I'm external. Um, but every time I'm in an office setting and you start to get to know people there and all of a sudden you just start hearing, I mean, that stuff is just, it just happens. You know, you put, especially in, you know, companies that are a little bit larger, you know, it's yeah. one thing when you work at, you know, a golf club that has, you know, a small one like like yours mike how many people do you have that work there on a daily basis and inside the clubhouse on a daily basis we probably got 15 right yeah, on our, exactly. our entire staff you know exactly when you start getting into these buildings that have a couple hundred you start to see a lot of fraternization oh yeah um 
and it's funny, I've been at two companies previously. Uh, I'm with a new one now. I don't quite have those relationships where I get to hear all the dirt on the back end. But the two previous, it was like what the things that went on in headquarters. There was a lot of fraternization, to say the very least. <laughs> so, anyways, more more to come on more PJ Tour news. Still sounds like Monahan spoke last week to some reporters. It still sounds like nothing has been determined in this whole framework agreement deal. So who knows? <laughs> this thing may never even actually happen. But all right. I think it's, definitely um, happening. it's definitely happening. I don't I'm not sold on it. What we're not sold on is what it's going to look like. It's I'm not sold to PJ Tour could get their shit together. I'm I'm not sold on that regardless. But Monahan does have the opportunity in front of him to cement his place and make this better. But for him, it, it is literal crash or burn. Or He's just got to get you a seer of an Augusta membership. Yeah. Then we need to get Tim Fincham on this show. You think he'll come on? No. We could try. We need well, to reach out. When it comes to Monaghan, this is either he goes down as a legendary uh, figure in the game of golf or he goes down as a legendary loser in the game of golf. And we just don't know which way it's going to shake out because to me, there's only one or two options. It's crash and burn, or it is, um, you know, escalated to the you know upper echelon of Mount Rushmore of golf figures. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I think it's going to be the latter. I think he's going to go down as uh, as one of the def- uh, he's going to be he's going to go down as one of the guys who is kind of delayed the progression of the game. I, I, I all, the only reason I say that, and it's not it's nothing against. It's nothing against Jay Monahan. I don't know him at all, but based on the based on the way that he responds to questions and the way he responds to interviews, he, he's got an agenda, which is not a good thing to have when you're holding a, a high a high office like that. I think it's it's a it's a personal agenda, which I don't blame him for because he sounds like a competitive guy. And and I I respect that, and I I just think that he's letting that competitiveness oversee the greater good of of professional golf than professional golf for the PJ Tour. Um, again, that's just that's purely an opinion. Like there's no no facts there, so I'm not I'm not giving any you know deep insight here. But I just think that from everything that all the answers that I've heard him give and from all the questions, it sounds like it's just, it's too, it's too big of a deal for him. It's like, I, I can't let them beat me. I've got to win this, you know, with all of the responses that he had in the beginning with the, with the Saudi tour. Um, and it, it, and then all of a sudden here we are now we're making an agreement with him. It's like, wait a second. Well, you were so adamant about never dealing with them. And now here we are making a deal. Like, it's just, I, it's unfortunate, but um, I don't think that it's going to, I don't think it's going to end well for him as a, as a commissioner of the PGA tour. I mean, he's a smart dude. Let's be honest. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not disputing that, but I, I just think his, his competitiveness has taken over the greater good of, of the organization. So I think somebody's probably going to come in and have to kind of clean this up at some point. Yeah. I but, think, yeah. I think both him and the players got lazy. Mm-hmm. And then someone swooped in and took advantage of him. Yeah, the players didn't yeah. care enough to pay attention, right? Because they thought that there was no way that anything could 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 touch him. Again, that's what 
that's what we've said like uh, you know two years ago we were like okay you you think that this is not going to happen because you have the greatest product and you're not willing to bend and make it work here you are here we are here we are two years later and there's plenty of people that said pay attention watch out you know cross your t's dot your i's because that's not the case you don't you don't own this thing. You don't own professional golf, even though it seems that way for the last 25 years when Tiger Woods was was ruling the ship and and handling everything for you. It's just that that's that wasn't the way it was. So um, all right, let's uh let's get into our picks. We got um the BMW. I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's at back at Olympia Fields where they played a few years ago, that great uh, playoff between DJ and Rom. Rom made that bomb of a putt where DJ can made pick, one and then Rom made one. Can I pick Jim Furyk? Is he playing? <laughs> He's not in the field. Damn uh, it. Fine. Not, not in the Find field. But uh, so we didn't have, I tried to send you guys a DraftKings last week, even though we didn't have a show to do one. So, I by I win by default last week. <laughs> Fuck all that. <laughs> <laughs> so I did win the week prior. Um, it's pretty much the, we got two events left. I need to win both of them. McLean needs to come in last in both of them to win. Jay's. I think mathematically eliminated. McLean, what do you need me to do here? Do we need to work something out? <laughs> we can work something out. I'm available. There's no, there's no prize to this. So I, I once I figure that out, I, I've hit the brakes hard. So long story short, I'm, I'm in. We can, we can definitely work something out. <laughs> I'm a slut. You, you name your price, my friend. <laughs> All right. So BMW, fifty guys, top thirty, go to the Tour Championship. Like I said, Olympia Fields, tough, tough test. Probably won't play. I think it was four under one. John Rahm in 2020. I don't think it's going to be that hard. I don't know. I just didn't, just can't imagine it being that hard, but I would think it's probably more of an eight or nine, ten under winner would be my guess. So, yeah. all right, I'm going to go first. I'm going to start at my bottom $6,300. Guy has just been playing solid. Hasn't won this year, but could be a candidate for Rookie of the Year, Eric Cole. Then I'm going to go up to most of my team is ball strikers and or bombers. Usually fit. We're going to fit one of those two categories. Guys aren't going to hit a lot of fairways here, which is going to mean, you know, precision iron play. You're going to need to the greens from the rough. Uh, Also, if you're going to bomb it, you're going to miss a lot of fairways. You better bomb it. So those are kind of my two categories i'm looking at plus a little bit of recent form as well so my second guy 7100 keegan bradley can still move the ball pretty well hits his irons great uh i like him there then i'm gonna go up to uh cam davis another guy just played well this past week made a big jump in the fedex cup standings hits the ball a long ways cam davis 7800 then i go to my three studs one of these three is gonna win 8,800. I'm going to start with Wyndham Clark. Then I'm going to go $9,500. Max Homa. Playing well. 
And I'm going to name this guy as your winner this week. $10,300, Victor Hovland. Wow, you like my boy, huh? I never pick Victor all that much, but hes I just think this is a great course fit for him. Kind of reminds me, it's going to be very similar to Oak Hill, where he just played well at the PJ Championship this year. Yeah, he finished 17th there two years ago, so he, he likes the golf course. Yep, so that's who, uh, that's who I like. I, when I saw him on the range at Troubadour, I just wanted to yell at him and be like, the chipping green's over there. <laughs> over there. <laughs> They have an incredible short game facility, and you're over here doing what you, we already know you do well. Yeah. Anyway, well, they 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 annoy me a little bit. His chipping has gotten better, but they were yes. like they were like bragging on him this week about it, and he's like, "Oh, look at that chip!" You know, off a tight lie. I'm like, it was ball in hand. He could tee it up in the fairway, like in a perfectly conditioned per- fairway. Yeah. Yeah. So, All right. Anyways, but I do like him this week. All right. I took a very unique strategy. And I kind of go with my gut on these. I always do. It's, And even then, when I question myself, I just go ahead and roll with it because I'm always a big first instinct guy. Big fan of moving that direction. I don't have any of the top guys. None of them. But I do have a lot of guys that I think are going to hopefully have some good finishes. I got a bulldog in there. We'll run through it real quick. 7,400, starting from the bottom now we're here. Straight out of the power rankings, Miliano Grio. Oh. Mm. 7,700. I don't I don't know why. I just I, I looked at him. I'm just like, I like this guy this week. I just do. I I, I just think he's going to ball strike his way around there a little bit. Uh, Mr. JT Poston. I like that. Hey. 8,100. Bulldog aforementioned. Brian Harmon. Ryder Cupper, which I'm excited to see. So happy for him that he was able to qualify for that squad. One above, Bombing Gouge. The Bombing Gouge. Cameron Young. Moving up from there, Ball Strikers Anonymous. Tom Kim. (laughs) Rounding out my squad at $9,300. Sanjay M. Sanjay. He's disappointing me. Every time I pick him this year, he fucking plays like shit. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree. He's so he is so good. He always seems to play well and except when I pick him. Yeah. Coming <laughs> off of uh, a T six and a fourteenth at the Wyndham. Finished third here. Or finished third here the last time they played at this golf course. That's also very true. Ball strikers anonymous here. This week, I, I surrounded myself with ball strikers. Uh, I need Emiliano Grillo to keep it rolling. I think he's got a chance to finish high. And at the end of the day, it's about how high all these five guys or all these six guys finish. So my hopes are that my instincts are correct. We get a little bit of a shakeup. We don't see one of the big guys win. And I ride this trophy right into Atlanta. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm going to start on not by price, but by the order in which I pick them. Um, meaning, the I'm going to go with the people that I picked last first because they just fit the mold in terms of price. So, 7100 bucks, Keegan Bradley. Um, you know, obviously he won at the Travelers. He's 
won twice this year. Overall, played played some good golf, but nothing incredible. His track record isn't super great here. I mean, he's played well and he's you know made the cut um, quite a bit at this event. I mean, a lot. He's only missed the cut one time, but again, this is a, a no cut event, so it's not like you're going to miss the. It's cut. It's also a venue that's moved around a bunch too. Yeah, it's moved around, but he did win this event in 2018. So I, I do think that he likes playing golf on bent grass and uh, bent grass greens, bent grass fairways. I think he does feel at home when he plays on courses like that. So um, anyway, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him at 7,100. He fit the, fit the bill there. Uh, Corey Connors, 8,900, similar, similar setup. He likes this bent grass setup, uh, even though he played well last week on, on Bermuda. Um, he typically likes he likes this this type of golf course and again uh, really good tee green. Cam Davis seventy eight hundred bucks playing some good golf. Sixth place, seventh place, tenth place. The last three events, um, he he missed the cut at the Scottish Open seventy one seventy, which you know I don't I don't put too much into that. But the guy's playing some really good golf as of late and at seventy eight hundred bucks. You know if he if he plays well, it gives me a top. Top 15, top 10 finish. That'd be incredible. Um, Lucas Glover, 9,100 bucks. Um, I'm going to ride it. You know, I think, I think he wants, he's fueled. He wants to be on the Ryder Cup and I think he wants to play well and he wanted to play well at the Wyndham and he did. And he wanted to play well last week and he did. And I think he's putting well. He's got some confidence uh, with his short game and he won a golf tournament hitting eight greens on Sunday last week. And he knows that he's not going to do that every time. He plays. That's going to get better. And that's, that's, I feel like he took so much confidence away from winning a golf tournament against some of the best players in golf, Rory, Patrick Cantlay, all these guys, the big guns, he even said it. He's like the big guns of the, whatever, the big guns of the big horses are coming after me. And he was able to get it done. So, um, I think he plays well again. I don't know if he wins. I think that would be kind of crazy, but I think he finishes in the top 10. Wow. Um, I like it. I like it. And then um, I think this guy's won this event twice already, and he just lost in the playoff. And as much as I hate him for playing so poorly on Sunday, and actually played great on Sunday, but hitting the water on Sunday. Um, I think Patrick Cantlay is going to be in the mix again. Again, this golf course is right up his alley. Bent grass greens, bent grass fairways. Um, he's going to play well. Uh, he's. I, I'm, I would lock in a top five finish for uh, Patrick Cantlay. And I think your winner for the week at $6,500 is Mr. Adam Shank. Um, the guy's been playing some incredible golf. I know he had a bad finish at the open, but for the most part, he's been, I mean, f- five top tens in the last two months. And this guy that no one's heard of, and he's he's 6,500 bucks. He finished sixth last week, fourth at the John Deere, seventh at the Rocket, seventh at the Memorial, seventh at the Charles Schwab, which I know is a, a two-man event. He's been playing some really good golf, um, and I think he's he's kind of fallen to form here. So, at that price point with no cut, um, I think Adam Shank is going to be in the mix um, at the end of the week. There you go. So a uh, real funny tweet um, with Adam Shank the other night. This was last night after the round. 
final round of a tournament. He's on the range hitting balls. And then after he's done hitting balls, him and his caddy were having a club throwing contest or sorry, golf ball throwing contest, trying to hit a curb on a car path that was 20 yards away. This is from Jason Sobel and <laughs> Adam Shank's wife saw it. And he, she's like, not the tweet you want to read when you're waiting for your husband to come back and help with uh, bedtime with the kids or something like that. <laughs> and him and his caddy after the tournament's over, they're dicking around throwing golf balls at a curb. Love it. That's how you tear a labrum right there. Keep going, Adam. <laughs> so I like that. That's a bold pick. Very bold. It is a bold pick. Uh, I do think he's playing well. And I do think he, if he doesn't win, he's going to be right up. He's going to be right up there in the mix again. I like that. I like I'll put some sh- the shankles on this guy. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, all right. Cool. Um, anything else, gents? No. We didn't we, what we, you're drinking tonight. Oh, what what were you drinking tonight? You mean what? Which which glass? <laughs> I was drinking four roses single barrel tonight. Oh, there you I go. Like, I like four roses single barrel. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. It's gone. I'm, I tried a new one tonight. Jefferson's. Oh, nice. Wow. Ah. the oceans or just the regular, regular Jefferson? The Jefferson's Ocean. Motherfucker, I got two kids. I can't afford that reserve shit. I got the <laughs> basic bottle. You're talking to two guys who have two kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how you guys afford it. I'll be honest. Like, I do pretty well, and I don't understand how you guys afford it. I'll be honest with you. I, 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 I work for gifts, you know. I do yeah. things, and I'm like, hey, I'll take a bottle of this as oh. a gift. Uh, I'm, at, I'm at the liquor store looking like, there's got to be one in here that I can go home with a receipt that my wife won't kill me with. <laughs> That's also good. Uh, I am drinking uh, Old Elk weeded tonight. Oh, nice. That's good. Sweet. Sweet, smooth. Yeah. What do you guys think of rye? I haven't, I've dipped into rye very, very lightly, but I'm interested to put more of uh, more than one toe in. I'm not a huge rye guy. Just got a little bit too much of a spice. I'm more of a wheat and sweet, you know, smooth and sweet. Yeah, Mike, I, I think you are smooth yeah. and sweet, buddy. Let's yeah, yeah. That's the rye is great. It just depends on depends on when you drink it and how you drink it. I think if you and I'm, we're gonna get we're gonna get real deep here real quick, but if you were to go and get a a bottle of a higher proof uh, McLean, something that was like a one ten to one twenty bourbon. You know, get a get a one good swig of that, open your palate up, and then go have a then go have a glass of a small glass of a rye, and you'll start to taste the flavor, how good it is. It it everyone's first instinct is that it's too spicy, but if you if you like set, set the setting up and you maybe you get something that's a little hotter at first and just get your palate accustomed to it. And then you have, then you have a good glass of a real good rye. Then it's pretty good. I like the Jefferson's my local liquor store. They're, they're struggling. I can't even get 1792. And I'm just like, I asked the guy today. I'm like, what's going on? He's like every six weeks, you know, we get some good stuff. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I got your, your outside of golf cart distance. Is that how he talks? Is that your best Tennessee accent? No, this this guy has an accent that's not accurate. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm I'm I want to keep my job, so I'm not gonna go any farther in on his accent. 
Um, but long story short, uh, the Jeff buddy, I'm from bad. Virginia. Like you, this is I worked hard to get this accent just to sound kind of like a country bumpkin. Like he used to yeah. sound way worse. <laughs> well, it's like it's like, buddy, I I was disappointed. I'm looking at their bourbon selection like they did have they do have the three versions of four roses which i do like four roses especially that single barrel in the small bottle for whatever yeah. reason I don't, I don't feel like the small bottle is the same size but i i'm sure it is it just it is. looking at it it's like this isn't this isn't correct um the small batch four roses big fan um but yeah i wanted to try something different they had jefferson's it was like 35 dollars a bottle um started from the bottom now we're here Starting yeah. from the top now we're here. Um and not not as good as the four roses, is it? In your opinion. I would rather have 1792 for the dollar. If I'm being yeah. honest. I'd rather have 1792. It's not bad. I don't mind it. Um the four but you'd roses rather, yeah, four you'd rather for the money for 30, 30 in the thirty dollar range, you'd rather have seventeen ninety two. Hundred dollar, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um yeah. the the four roses, the one I like is like forty what is it, $45, $47 a bottle? The small batch and that single there, it's really yep. good. But, you know, trying to, the wife was already giving me shit. She was like, you know, this new bourbon habit, you've, it's expensive. It's not as expensive as wine, though. Wine, you get, it's four glasses in a bottle of wine versus, it's like 17 in a bottle of bourbon. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I can. I can I, there's some on this because this is recorded. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna make a couple of comments and call some people out, and I feel like I shouldn't do that. So yeah, wine <laughs> is gonna easy, say like, a, a bottle yes. of twelve to thirteen bottle, thirteen dollar wine. Um, it's a one night deal. Uh-huh. It's not like you open a bottle of wine and it's like it's gonna last me for two three days. No, you you crack a bottle of good Cabernet. Uh, and I have these really big glasses, which is one of the issues. It takes a bottle of wine into a three glass bottle. And that takes me about an hour and a half to go through. Yeah, but on a, on a, on a dollars per glass, a $15 bottle of wine is more expensive per glass than a $45 bottle of bourbon. That means I have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, I'm with you. I mean, look, I like to dip my toes in a bunch of different, uh, bunch of different bodies of water. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a run what you brung kind of guy. If it's tequila, we're doing what? tequila. Run what you brung. You know, it's a, it's a street racing reference. You run uh, what you brung. If you brought the Honda Civic. You tack it out and let it rip. I've never heard that one before. Oh, run what you brung. Yeah, no, that was big. I was a big Fast and Furious guy when I was a kid. Is that still going on? That's still a thing. I know. I cry at the end of every movie. <laughs> okay, that's it. This this show's gone Paul off the Walker. rails now. I miss Paul Walker. <laughs> okay. I do miss Paul Walker. Yeah, I think my wife does too. So run with what you brung. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Is it uh, run with what you brung, or is it run, run what you brung. what you brung? Run what race what you got. So if you're in an easy go or you're in a Ferrari, you're you're full throttle and see where you end up. Run what you brung. Run what you brung. 
that's like it. That. So that's that's what happens with with your golf game. Here's the best way to look at it. You don't know what your golf game looks like that day, but you're going to run what you brung. Whether yep. it's your A, B, or C, or D game, you run what you brung. I'm going to put start putting that on my golf balls. Yeah, I'm going to get that on my brung. wedges. That's your Run, that's run your what you brung. We should get a hat. Run what you brung. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. This is, there's no one listening to this, but this is great. Everyone's <laughs> already. That's why we do this at the beginning. No one's going to hear this. <laughs> Oh, all right, gents. That was fun. That was a pleasure. Um, we will see everyone or we'll hear everyone next week. Cheers.